You're listening to a podcast of Family Church in West Monroe, Louisiana. Wherever or however you're listening, our hope is that this message would be challenging and inspiring for you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. Thanks for listening, and let's head to the message. This has been a big week. We had President Trump come on Wednesday. I saw some of you standing out in line on Instagram and Facebook since like the day before or something. Then we had LSU whoop up on Alabama last night. And then you got the Lewises in church. I mean, come on. All it's lacking is for the saints to... Slay the Falcons today. Where's Zach? And it'll be a great week. <laughs> so I've got a big order today. I've got, I want to do four, four main things. One, uh, introduce myself, my family, and our ministry. And it's a, that's a challenge in and of itself because many of you have stood beside us for the 37 years that we've been in ministry. And yet there are many others also in the congregation that are looking at me and saying, what's the big deal if the Lewises are in town? Who cares? So that's a, that's a, that's a big gap to fill in. The second thing is I want to present the ministry, what, what it is that we, that, we, that we do, what in ministry is all about. And then I want to give you a recap of the last two years since the last time I stood in this pulpit. And then finally I want to do the ask, which is where I ask you and give you an opportunity to partner with us financially to enable us to continue to do the ministry that we do. So starting off, who I am. I am Michael Anthony Lewis Coppersmith. As in Guatemala, you have to give both your first, your, both your father's name and your mother's maiden name. That way they know what families you're from. Michael Anthony Lewis Coppersmith. And my wife is Latanya K. Beard Hogan is what she would have been as a single uh, lady. My wife is from West Monroe. I am from Pennsylvania. Both of us felt the call of God on our lives for missions before we were 10 years old. And that call never left our hearts as we grew up. We grew up in two different parts of the world, didn't, never met each other until, we were, until I was uh, uh, right at 20 years of age. And that missions and ministry goes back in our, we come by it honest as each of us. It goes back in our families. You can trace missions and ministry in our family, both our family lineages, all the way back to the 17th century. To the 1700s, let me say that, all the way back to the 1700s. And it's, it's not just like, like a, oh, there was one preacher back in 1732. No, it's there was a preacher, and then he had a preacher, and then he had a missionary, and then he had a, and then, and then he had a, and it just on and on. So missions is, is very much ingrained in who we are and, and what we do. And, and uh, we have lived and breathed it all our adult lives. I'd like to read a verse of Scripture, Matthew 28. It's the only verse we're going to read today. Verse 18, it's a verse that we all probably can quote. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven 
and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Verses like this and uh, verses like, like uh, lift up your eyes unto the harvest. And uh, I'm going to quote in the King James because I memorized it in as a kid. Uh, and, 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 and maybe I'm going to quote it in Spanish. <laughs> lift up your eyes unto the harvest. I can't remember it in English either. Uh, Porque la mies es mucho. <laughs> Mas los, los trabajadores son pocos. Uh, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And that, that message, as I was growing up, just was, was the Holy Spirit would just beat that message into my heart. Anytime I came across those verses, it was like, are you going to be one of the few? Are you going to be one of the few? of the laborers that, that look and say, okay, there's a harvest field. There are, there's a kingdom to build, and are you going to be one of those? And, and my heart's cry from, from a child all the way up was, yes, that's me. I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. With great fear and great trepidation. And yet that was, that was my heart's cry. Nineteen eighty three. I arrived in the country of Mexico, and I, I, I got out of the truck, out of my car, I drove a little Chevy Chevette down to Mexico. I just finished uh, language school, and, uh, and language school, nine months of language school and Hispanic culture training. And I arrive on the mission field. I get out of my Chevy Chevette. I'd been on a dirt road for the last two years that my Chevy had no business being on. The last gas station was two hours behind me. And uh, I'm driving through uh, rivers to get to the house. I get out, and the missionary that I am going to live with, I mean, I, I get out of my car. I've driven like 12 or 13 hours from, from the Texas border to the missionary's house. I get out of my car. He looks me in the eye. I mean, I haven't even taken my suitcase out of my car. He looks me in the eye, and he says, get in the truck. We're going to church. I literally got out of my Chevette, I got in the back of his pickup truck, and we drove for another two hours to a village called Otlatzintla, where there were thousands of Indians, with a big campaign they were having, thousands of Nahuatl Indians of the Aztec descendants. And so we pull up there, and I see all these Indians, and my Spanish is, you know, I'm, I've, just, I've studied it for nine months, but I haven't had a chance to use it a whole lot. And uh, he, he jumps out of the truck, the missionary, Turns around to me, I'm sitting in the back of the truck, and he says, whatever they give you to eat, you eat it, or you go back to the States. And, and I'm sitting there going, oh, okay, okay. And uh, so I got out of the pickup truck, and they, they put us, they had these makeshift tables where just these posts were stuck in the ground, and these board, boards were nailed on top of it, and they lined us up, about 50 people at a time at these makeshift tables. And they brought out these black beans, which I'd never had black beans in my life prior to this. Didn't, didn't even know that black beans existed. I like baked beans. <laughs> Grew up eating baked beans. And they were in these gourds that were cut in half. And then they, they kind of file the bottom of the gourd down so that it, it won't wobble on the table. And it'll sit there. And the gourd comes up like this. And uh, that's your bowl. And they brought everybody out. And then they brought a bowl, brought everybody out a bowl, and then they brought a stack of tortillas that they put 
every so often. And uh, one of the Indians said, let's pray. And we prayed. And then we're all standing there. Nobody's sitting down. And, of course, they're all about this tall. And I'm, you know, the table's like knee high. And, and uh, I'm like, okay. And uh, I'm looking for a spoon. There's no spoons. So, okay, what do we do here? And I'm watching. And I see that they take their tortillas. They fold it in half. And then they rip it into fourths. And they take their little tortilla and they make a scoop out of it. And then they were scooping their beans. And it had these we called them, we called them uh, bombs. They were jalapenos that were sliced, and they were in there also, and they were literally bombs uh, in your stomach. But you take that little scoop, and you scoop out some beans, and you, you eat your beans. I, was, well, I can do that. So I made my little scoop and start. I didn't know, and, and this morning, I actually, I don't have a handkerchief this morning. I always, I always have a handkerchief in my pocket, but for whatever reason, I didn't uh, pull it out of the suitcase this morning. But I didn't know that you needed to carry a handkerchief. But the problem was, I didn't make my scoop very well. And so when I would go to scoop those beans, it would run out the back of that scoop. If you don't fold it just right, it, it has a hole back there, and it just run, it would run down my hand, and it was dripping off my elbow. You know, here I am, I'm like seven, seven or eight feet tall compared to these people. And, uh, you know, and my, it's pretty much dripping on their heads if I'm not careful. I'm serious, and, and I'm just making a mess. I have nothing to wipe it with. <sighs> okay, what do I do? Well, there's some others that are picking their bowl up. I can do that. So I picked my bowl up, and I brought it up here, and when I got it right here, my eyes just kind of crossed because one of my beans had legs. <laughs> and all I could think of, now this is, you, you understand, I, I haven't even unpacked my suitcase. It's still in my car. This is my first evening on the mission field. And the missionary told me that if I didn't eat whatever was given to me, I was going back to the States. I think I can't eat that cockroach. That's what it was. It was a cockroach. He was doing the backstroke. No, he was dead. He was cooked. But he was in my beans. Feet sticking up. And I'm like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't. Put the bowl back down. Looked around. Snaked my finger over the edge of that gourd. Got a hold of that cockroach on the end of my finger. and Slid him up over the edge of that gourd. And let him fall on the table. And I laid my hand on that table. You know, kind of like that. And, you know, I was kind of looking around. And I kind of slid my hand back until the cockroach fell off the edge. And then I carved him over my foot. <laughs> and then proceeded to eat my beans. <laughs> Many times over those first months and first year or so, I questioned, seriously questioned, am I in the right place? Did I even hear from heaven? Is, is this where God wants me? Is, this is crazy, the things we're doing, the things I'm doing. Uh, I, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, so many reasons. And yet every time I came back to those scriptures, I came back to the call of God on my life. I came back to the, the harvest is plenteous, yet the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, Lord, the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. How am I going to pray that God send someone else when I can go? How am I going to do that? About three years later, I moved to Guatemala, which is where I've been ever since. 33 years uh, we've been in San Cristobal, the name of our town in Guatemala. 
And we began there focusing strictly on the spiritual. Y'all, we all understand. We all, we all get the, the, we all understand that there's light and darkness. We all understand that people are either in light or they're in darkness. Correct? There's no little gray areas that you can just live in. It's, you're either in utter darkness or you're in the light. And so the spiritual is very important. Teaching people about Christ and about salvation and to turn from their sin and to come to Christ is very important. And, and that's what we focused on. But after a number of years, I realized that we were falling short. People were giving their lives to Christ. They were, they were professing belief in Christ, but they weren't learning how to live for Christ. There's a, there's a big difference between those two. You can go out and you can do a campaign and you can have 5,000 people raise their hands and woo, we give a life. Wow, look at it, all got saved. And then you go around, turn around, and you leave. And, but if someone doesn't stay, because the scripture doesn't say go and make converts, it says go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Teaching them. And so after a number of years of focusing, me personally, focusing on the spiritual to a fault, I would say, we began to switch. We began to, we began to include training, discipleship, intentional discipleship, and intentional training. And in ministries, as it has developed from 19, I would say from, from, for us in Guatemala, from 1986 until today, it has, it has of course, I think so because I'm the one that gets to run it. Uh, I think it's become a well-rounded, we don't focus just on the spiritual. Because the other, the other side is you just focus on the, on the natural. And we become a socialistic gospel, just helping everybody. And you forget the spiritual. We have to have both those sides. And then we have to have the training that goes in the middle that develops well-rounded people, believers, that when they get out of bed in the morning and they put their feet on the floor... They know how to live for Christ today. And they know what that looks like. They know how to love their wife today. They know how to love their children. They know how to correct their children. They know how to get along with their workers in, 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 at their job. They know how to have faith and to believe when things aren't good. They know how to resist temptation. All those things come through training and through developing and through teaching of God's word. And as we have developed that over the years, that, that is our focus. If you will, if you will in, your, in a minute, I'm going to show you the different areas of ministry that we do, and you'll see that everything focuses on those three things. Developing their spiritual world, developing their, their, their mind, and developing their body. Because we are commanded to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Those areas all have to come into alignment. It can't just be, I believe. All those areas have to come into alignment. And so that is what our focus has been. We focus all of our programs on those things. I absolutely believe, church, I believe this with everything in me, that you and I, that you and I must be relevant influencers in our world today. We can't afford to just be family church in these walls. And people go, oh, you go to church, cool. We need to be the church at work 
The church at Walmart, the church at the President Trump rallies, the church, wherever it is you go, we need to be Christ to this world. Relevant influencers. Because the world needs to see that Jesus Christ is the great I am. The I am what you need for this moment, and the I am what you need for that moment. The I am for your child, the I am for your husband, the I am for those around you. He is the answer, and they need to see that in us. And we as a church, our responsibility is to develop people who become that testimony, who live that life before the people they live among, whether that be in West Monroe or that's in Guatemala or some other part of the country or world. So by the end of 2006, my goodness, from the little country boy that went to Mexico and then ended up in Guatemala with literally $25 a month support at that time in, in 1983, to 2006, oh, we were ministering to well over 4,000 people every week. We were, we, were, we were traveling and speaking. Tanya and I were doing seminars all over Guatemala. We were traveling back and forth to the U.S. two or three times a year, speaking at mission conferences and at churches. We had a full-time staff of 86 people reaching thousands every week. And we had five kids during that time. Man, was it good. Our income was fantastic. It has, has never been better than 2006. Wow. But I crashed and I burned. I focused on the kids, not my kids, God's kids. And I spent all my time and all my effort focusing on his kids, taking care of all these new believers that were coming to Christ and all these people that he was allowing us to influence. And I stopped spending time alone him it doesn't matter if you're the head of a ministry like in ministries or the pastor of family church or the head of focus on the family it doesn't matter what it is you do or if you're just the father of your family or the mother of your family or you're just a student in school the scripture makes it very clear. Without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. I didn't forget about God. I wasn't on purpose trying to, trying to do it without him. I was just trying to take care of everything and keep all the things, all the plates spinning. But it crashed. I burned fell apart physically, 
fell apart emotionally. And in the May of 2007, I called Pastor O'Neill and Pastor Taylor, and I said, guys, I need help. And they said, come on. And this church stepped up, just unbelievably stepped up. This is, this is the recap for those that, that don't know us. This church stepped up, provided a place for us to live, income for us. It took me about three years to recover physically. About three years. It took us five years to even accept the fact that we were here and not on the mission field. Five years. And then, but those last seven years that we were here, after the, after the three years of recovery, they graciously allowed us to start, uh, allowed me to start serving here at the church. And, and uh, for seven years, I had the opportunity to minister here, be a part of this ministry. As so many of you know, I had a chance to touch so many of your lives and be touched by so many of your lives. And our ministry continued in Guatemala. I continued to oversee that. And the ministry here even allowed me time to do that. They, they, you know, in my, I would sit over there in my office across the street, and, and I, I was FaceTiming with our staff in Guatemala while y'all were paying me to do that. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> Having that opportunity to continue to run that ministry from here. And then in September of 2017, Latanya and I, we've been asked to take over a new area of ministry here at the church. And we've been praying about it, and uh, I felt like, okay. I've really been struggling because it wasn't something I really necessarily wanted to do, but they were asking me to do it, so okay. And then in September of 2017, the Holy Spirit spoke to Latanya and I as we were driving to Dallas, Texas for a conference. And he said, return to Guatemala. And we're like, what? Return to Guatemala. I remember we spent those three days in Dallas just questioning and, 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 and forget the conference. We didn't even go to the conference. We went like one to two sessions and we're like, well, this is crazy. All we can think about is, did God really say go back to Guatemala? And uh, we came back and we spoke to the pastors here, spoke to the elders, uh, and everybody, everybody was 100% on board with us going back to Guatemala. And then they gave me an opportunity to stand up in the pulpit in November of 2017 and tell you that we were returning to Guatemala. And there were a lot of tears that day. On our part and on a lot of y'all's parts because of the relationships that have been built over those, over those 10 years that we've been here. Let me just say, coming back after being gone for the last two years, coming back and driving, it was different. It was different than it ever had been in the past. There's a lot more emotion tied to the streets of West Monroe, to the stores, to the, to the restaurants, to the businesses, to the houses because we know who lives in them uh, a lot more i came in and I walked around the property one day and i'm like I, I tried to get tanya she was like no, give me give me give me give me some time give me some time I, i'm not ready to do that yet there was a lot of emotion tied to this place for us as we came back just last week and uh i stood up in this pulpit two years ago in november and told you i was going back and my goodness if you didn't step up Financially, this church stepped up and were, enabled us to ship all of our belongings down to Guatemala, which was just unreal. 
everything we owned. When we came from Guatemala to here, we had nothing but our suitcases. And over 10 years, God blessed, and we had quite a bit of stuff. And, and uh, we, just, we were like, do we have to go back and start again from nothing? And uh, the finances came in that day for us to be able to ship it all to Guatemala. And do a little bit of remodeling on our home there that, that has hosted over 50,000 people in our house in the last 20 years. In our home, we have hosted over 50,000 people in our house in Guatemala over the last 20 years. So it was a little run down. There were some things that needed to be taken care of. Some of the faucets needed to be fixed. And you can imagine, there's a lot of people running through a house. You enabled us to do that. And then enabled us to go back and minister for the last two years. In our time back, people have asked, so what was it like going back? And we said it was like, it was like, you go somewhere, and you, you get, in your, get in your truck, and there's a glove that's yours. It's your, it's your glove, and your hand just slides in it because, you know, I mean, my hand has a shape. If I, if I just let my hand hang, it's got a shape. Your hand has a shape. Well, if you wear a glove long enough, especially a leather glove, it takes on your shape. And it's like sticking your hand in that glove that's just it's shaped for you, and that's what it was like for us going back. It took us about a week or two weeks to get adjusted back, and we were like, Wow, it's like we've been here like we never left. Things weren't quite what we thought they were. We ran, we, we, we expected to go back and do something totally different than what we were doing, uh, take a different role, but God had other plans, and it was evident uh, quickly upon arriving that God had a reason for sending us back, and that has continued to be revealed more and more. And uh, I want to I run through our, our major ministry areas. Because often people hear about in ministries and, and, and what we focus on is the school. And they say, oh, you got a school. That's great. But I want to show you some of the other areas that we have that, that we also focus on. We have a church service. We have, we have not just one. We have multiple church, multiple service sites. But we have our main, our main church, the inn, which every Sunday we have a celebration. That's what we call it. We have a Sunday celebration. We have uh, um, 27 unique serve opportunities for people that come into the church uh, where they can get involved and then get plugged in and say, I want to be a part of this. We've got men's small groups, women's small groups, family small groups, and youth small groups. Boy, could I, could, I could stop on each one of these and just tell you all stories about people's lives. We have worship team development. Our worship team has gone from one team last year, they took this year, and they've been developing. They've got four teams now. So they used to have one really bang-up team. Now they've got four, eh, teams. Well, they divided some of their best people in each one of these teams so they could train up new worshipers. And you go, well, didn't you, didn't you, aren't you missing some of that bang? Yeah, but guess what? You give us another year, we're going to have four bang-up teams. And hopefully more. We have uh, preacher training. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, marriage seminars. And parenting classes. We are well known in that area. In 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 our in our area, in our in our state, for these things. This is who we are. It's what we do. Folks, I, I was talking to Pastor Taylor this morning and he said, he said, you need to mention this right here. I'll give him credit. You know, we do we do seminars with bankers. We do seminars with public school directors where, I don't know if you've ever 
to try to put it in perspective, we have, we have, oh, I forget the exact number. It's like almost 80, maybe 81, 82 schools in our district, public schools in our district, in our state. Well, it's not our state. It's in our, what, we would, what you would call your parish. And uh, yeah, there's that many. It's a, it's a pretty good size area. And we get to train their directors. We have done that for years. We get to, that would be like you getting invited in to teach the public school directors, and you get to teach them how to love on the kids, how, literally, how to bring Christ into the classroom. I mean, can you imagine that opportunity here at Washtenaw Parish? To be able to speak to the principals of the public schools on an ongoing basis. Teach them how to lead their people, how to lead their staff, how to share Christ with the kids. Wow. We get to do that with, we do leadership seminars with, with bankers, with, we've done it with medical profession, obviously with pastors. Preacher training, developing preachers, community service projects, public school, or, or private school. Sorry, we have a private school that goes from K-4 currently all the way through ninth grade. In 2009, we closed our high school. In 2020, we are reopening high school. Are I get an applause? And for 10 years, it was closed. And you say, well, what does that matter? Y'all had that issue here at one time and closed it. It matters. It matters because when a kid gets to ninth grade and then he, they go somewhere else, they finish their education elsewhere, that's where they stay connected. And what we had is our kids that graduated from our school all the way through high school, the, many of them have come back and either serve on staff or part of the church but since we closed high school and those kids left in 2009, we don't have anyone, we didn't until this year, have anyone on staff or in the church that had been in our school. Because in 2009, they left and they, and they, went, they went elsewhere. And we lost those connecting years when they're, when they're old enough to make their own decisions to serve Christ. And that relationship becomes real, both with God and with us as a ministry. So we are excited about opening up high school in, in, in January. We have a public school Bible program. Goodness, y'all. That that, we used to have over 3,000 kids in that program back in 2007. When we got back there two years ago, we had 200. Now, I want you to, I want you to follow with me. That's over 3,000 kids receiving Bible classes every single week in 2007. And in 2018, there were 200 kids receiving Bible classes every week. It's a big drop. It's a big drop. Today, we're back up to 1,100 kids receiving Bible classes every single week in Guatemala, in the public school system in our area. There's over 10,000 kids in our district. I, I live for the day when I can stand up here in this pulpit or this round table that y'all are using a lot now and say, 
There's 10,000 kids that get to hear the gospel every single week because of people like you and because of our staff in Guatemala, because of the volunteers in our church that are going out every week. There's one lady, guys, she has been doing this for over 20 years, faithfully going to the public school. Her husband has never given his life to Christ, does not come to church. She lost her boy, her teenage son, 17 years old. He fell and hit his head when we were on a trip to the States a number of years ago. And he, he hit his head on the concrete, and within a couple of days, it died. She has three, four other children. She has faithfully attended our service. She's the oldest uh, consistent member of our church. She's been there since the day we, be, we, we started the service, the, 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 the church service, 1992. And last week, while we were here in the States, her husband accompanied her to church. He gave his life to Jesus Christ. We have prayed for that man. We have reached out to him. He, was never, he never told her she couldn't go. He never told her she couldn't serve. Faithfully served in the public school for over 20 years, going and teaching Bible classes every week faithfully attending church all by herself, doesn't have a vehicle, walks most of the time. And the Holy Spirit reached down and took her husband's heart and said, it's time. We were so, we, 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 we cried. Tanya and I were so excited to get that news last week. Youth sports clubs, our social media outreach, which we started this last year, hundreds of people watching our services online now. Hundreds of people watching. I, I, do little, I do little one or two minute messages for our school that I put out there for parenting tips. And so I get hundreds of people every week. Hundreds, like 400 watching those clips every week. People from all over the country. I'll be in, I'll be in our state capitol. And, and I'll, be, I'll go into a store and I'll, I'll say something and, and, this, and this person, our waiter, will go, I've seen you on Facebook. I say, oh yeah? Yeah, I watch your thing every week. This is really cool. I mean, people, people you don't even know. And they're like, where's your church located? Well, how do you know about our church? I've seen you on Facebook. You're always inviting us to coffee. I need to come. I need to come. Yeah, you need to come. I want you to watch this video real quick. This is just an overview of the last two years that we've been back in Guatemala. The last two years have been a time of implementing major changes and training at In Ministries. We work to grow our leaders and serve our communities in new and exciting ways. Through you and other supporters, we have been able to see incredible growth in our church and outreach programs. Church attendance has gone from 70 people to 170 people each week. There were previously seven dream teams, and now there are 27 with 123 team members serving on those dream teams. For the last several years, we have had three small group meetings regularly. This fall, we'll have 30 groups actively meeting. Our donors sponsored a sports program that kicked off this year and now serves 107 children in our community. The public school Bible program went from sharing with 200 students and faculty to 1,100 students and faculties at public schools in our area. 
The pictures tell you just part of the story. You have helped make amazing changes with your support these last few years. We are excited to see this growth and are so proud of all the people who have heard the call of God on their lives and stepped up to serve in Guatemala. Thank you for partnering with us and allowing so many in Guatemala to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for enabling us to live there and to serve there, to be a part of that. People, people say, well, welcome home. And then they go, oh, well, we know that's your home. This is your home. They're both our home. They're both. Both West Monroe and Guatemala, they're both our home. But Guatemala is where at this time in our life we, we've been called to serve. And I and my wife deeply appreciate every check, every penny, whether it's a $1 check, a $5 check, a $500 check, a $5,000 check, or a $50,000 check, or if you'd like a $500,000 check. <laughs> Whatever that amount is, it has enabled us to do the work of the ministry there in Guatemala and to empower so many other people. You can see growth in every area. Our focus in Guatemala, listen to this closely. Put it up on the screen, if you would. The next one. We strive to move people from not knowing God to knowing God. Wherever they might be in their walk in life. And then from knowing God to finding freedom in Christ. To growing and maturing and getting set free from the, from the, the sins and the weights that so easily beset us. And then from, from uh, finding freedom to discovering their purpose, what they're created to do, how they can be involved, how they can make a difference in their community, how they can make a difference in our world. And then from discovering their purpose to actually making that difference by, by empowering them to do something with the talents that God has given them and the resources that God has given them. And then you know what happens when they're doing that? They're making a difference. It comes full circle because now they're helping someone else to go from not knowing God to knowing God and from knowing God to finding freedom, from finding freedom to discovering their purpose and from discovering their purpose to making a difference and then back to helping people. You follow me? That is the heart of what we do. We have a, I want to give you some numbers here. This is the ask part. So don't run from me. It's not time to leave. This is the ask part. We have a yearly budget in Guatemala, almost of our entire ministry. This is our stateside stuff and our Guatemalan stuff of almost $400,000. Do we have that slide? Is it up? I just can't see it. It's up. $400,000 basically is our yearly budget for all that we do. We reach over 2,400 people every single week with the message of Jesus Christ. That's a monthly budget of $33,000. That's a weekly budget of $7,653. A good portion of that comes from the states. A good portion of that comes from tuitions and, and offerings in Guatemala also. The bulk of it, uh, a, probably two-thirds of it, comes from in, in the U.S. We spend a total per person, 
weekly of $3.14. So for $12, $13 a month, you're impacting a life in ministries. So you say, I, I, can't, I can't cut that. I'd love to write you a $1,300 check. I can't do that. For $13 a month, someone is impacting a life. This is what we spend. You, in this church, we have, we have uh, one of your deacons sits on our in-ministry board. One of your elders sits on our in-ministry board. One of your members sits on your in-ministry board. Your, all the deacons have access to our books and our records. Your pastor it provides direct oversight to me and has for a long time, both Pastor O'Neill and Pastor Terry currently. We spend... 45 cents a day on each person that we reach. That's a small price to reach so many people. That's a very small price. And every day that number is growing. That number was way less two years ago. I told you it was in the 4,000 plus in 2007. It was way less two years ago. It's back up to 2400 the difference is this time I'm not trying to kill myself and I am thoroughly convinced that without him I can do nothing that the only hope we have of doing anything right today is because we spend time with him today he's the power he's the anointing and he's the answer and not just on me not just on my wife but on every person we come in contact with and, and, and teaching them that hey God is there for you to become the light in the world that we're commanded to be there's a video I want to show you real quick of the Solares family and this is a family that um, Tanya and I first met back in 87 maybe, I think is when they moved to town, 87 or 88, they moved to our town. By the time we got married, they had, they had gotten married also. Uh, had their first daughter the same year we had Kimmy. We've been friends ever since, but it took eight years of us spending time with them, loving on them, for them to come to Christ. Listen to, listen to their story. We have a story of a dear family who have been with us for a long time, but their story, like many others, started out in hopelessness. Theirs is a story of redemption, of friendship, and a place where they found refuge and healing. Luis and Miriam Solaris became friends with our founders through common themes like stamp collections and same-age daughters back in the late 1980s. This friendship quickly became a burden on our founders' heart to lead this family to Christ. At the time, their family life looked like so many others in this town. Dad drank a lot, Mom worked a lot, and there was no biblical foundation. Miriam wanted more for her family, but no matter how often they were invited to come to our church gatherings, Luis was not stepping foot in the building of the church. But God's idea was a bit different than Luis's. A full eight years passed, and we remained friends with the Luises. Even though our daughters asked to go to the Ian church, Luis always said no. But I clearly remember the day Luis told me to get the girls ready because we were going to the Gringos church. They slowly felt this was the place for them, but neither were willing to give up certain things like soccer games on service days. We began assisting regularly at the end 
but I was still not giving up my soccer games. So if the game were scheduled for the same time as church service, I would drop Miriam and the girls off at church and I would go play my games. But the more time I spent here and the more I listened to the message, I was convicted in handing my time over to God. For me, it was a well-paying job that I knew God told me to let go of, but I stubbornly wouldn't trust Him. Then a few months later, I was let go, and immediately I knew exactly where I wanted to be. I started working here at the school as a teacher in 2000 and have been here ever since. Luis began supervising our teaching staff the first year we opened our school, and within a year, he became our school director, and their family became a part of this ministry. Their three daughters studied at the end school where they not only received quality education, but were challenged spiritually every day by their teachers and mentors. They have each gone off to pursue college degrees and are now adults contributing in their community who seek after the Lord because their parents have instilled that in them. Their lives have been eternally changed because of God's grace and God's calling on this ministry. Every day, we partner with families like Luis and Mediums. We talk about biblical values. We provide a quality education for our future leaders. We give importance to spiritual growth, but most of all, just like the Solaris family was rescued from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of God's dear son, we live to see the glory of God revealed in each and every person he sends our way. How about a clap, God? That's not us. That's the kingdom of heaven. That's the kingdom of heaven penetrating darkness. That's what that is. It's God coming into someone's world and saying, hey, I exist. Would you live for me? Would you lay it all on the altar? Would you give me your life? Would you be crucified together with my son and walk with me? And I want to make you a part of my kingdom. That's what God does. That's what we just saw. I want to finish with a few numbers here. Like most ministries, at the end of the year, there's a gap. Most nonprofits. And I'm sure many of you get flyers, whether that's from Focus on the Family or some other nonprofit that you support. You get flyers saying, hey, may help us make up the shortfall at the end of this year. We're trying to open up high school. We, we are opening up high school one way or the other. We've already hired the teaching staff for January. Um, so, but in order to make that happen and to finish out this year clean with all our books in the black and not in the red, uh, we, we're short $31,203.21, which would absolutely make all of our books even beautiful at the end of the year. Now, that's not counting what we normally have come in in the month of November and December. That's, that's above and beyond what we normally have come in. So I'm asking you this morning, I know many of you give, you, I know many of you have given a bunch over the years. I know you've, you, 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 you continue to give. I'm not asking you to stop giving what you're doing, but I'm asking you to help us. There are thousands of people, and every day there are thousands more that, can, that, that, that will have the opportunity to hear the gospel because of what you and I do here today, what we do tomorrow, and what we do literally, financially, what you do in helping us reaches thousands of people. I don't know how else to word it. It does. 
We need to increase our general fund so that we don't have that $31,000 deficit at the end of the year. The deficit was 50,000. We knew that when we started the year. We cut and slashed and did everything we could. We knew we were going to be $50,000 short. So the fact that we're only 31,000, that's fantastic. God has provided an additional 20 already throughout the year. I know that sounds crazy. But it's reality. So the additional $4,500 a month will help us not fall into this position. So maybe you're giving $50 a month or $100 a month to our general fund, and you could increase that. We would deeply appreciate that. And then finally, Latanya and I, over the years, any missionary that comes down and works with us, they have to raise their own support, as Latanya and I have done over the years. Well, in the beginning, when you very first go, people look at you like, uh, yeah, uh-huh, you're going to do what? Yeah, go do it for a while, and we'll see. And then you do, and then they go, oh, yeah, that's great. We want to get behind you. We want to support you. And then, yeah. And then you've done it for 37 years, and your supporters start dying. Because they were all older than you. They're the only ones that had the money when you went. Your, your buddies didn't have any money. You know, they, they, they couldn't afford to send you any money. So these people that are 15, 20 years older than you were the ones starting to support you. Well, you get to my age, and 15, 20 years older than me, you start disappearing. And uh, so we, we have a need to to raise our support. We've, currently, we take a little bit out of the ministry every month, and we do have some support that comes in, but we would love to be able to raise our support $3,200 a month so that we wouldn't have to take anything out of the ministry in order to continue to minister, and we could, we could be completely self-funded just like we ask all of our other missionaries to do. So at this point, I'm turning it over to Pastor Taylor. Thank you so much. Folks, we love you. Tanya and I, we deeply love this church. We deeply love the people in this church, what this church has meant to us for so, so many years. Thank you for giving me an opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Family Church Podcast. You can stay connected with us at familychurch.org or by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission at Family Church is to pursue God, make disciples, and strengthen families. If you're in the West Monroe area, we would love for you to come join us. You can check out familychurch.org for our location and service times. 